Well, it happened. The South Carolina State Supreme Court, in a 3-2 decision, overruled heartbeat. Oh, if only we had known this could happen. Wait, didn't we say that already? That's well, if we'd have known that, then should we have passed something in, like, the summer? That would have been important to do. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. South Carolina no longer needs a heartbeat. We are an abortion vacation destination. We'll talk about it on the podcast. Welcome into the fastest-growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. Justin Hall, Dave Wilson, Mitch Prosser here with you. Obviously, yesterday's news, by the way, we're recording this on Friday, January 6th. Wait a minute. It's Insurrection Day. 2023, the year of our Lord, most, at 1034 a.m. Mostly peaceful protest. Well, uh-huh. if you want to join us, if you're going to be hearing this before 4 o'clock today, you can join us as we walk through the Capitol on January 6th, as we and, and we're going to pray the in the Capitol. Capitol. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But yes, it is the January 6th edition. Uh, was this a was this an insurrection? I really felt yesterday? like yesterday was an insurrection <laughs> from the state Supreme Court. My word, the decision that came down on the case that Planned Parenthood put out there, basically thwarting the will of the legislature and the people of South Carolina on the heartbeat law is just... Well, I mean, we guys, we said this already. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, going to fall down this way mm-hmm. uh, because it was a 2-1-2 two, two split. We knew that the two liberals were going to go in one direction. The two conservatives were going to go in another. And the one that was flopping in the middle was going to be Justice John Few. And we an interesting against, way to phrase it. <laughs> we hoped against hope. We, we, we trusted in the process. We listened to legislators. And we were still ticked off. And we, yeah. <laughs> But what we saw yesterday from the South Carolina State Supreme Court, just to remind you, this is not SCOTUS. This is not the Supreme Court of the United States. Because if it were, they'd have ruled differently. The 24th of 2022, this is the January 5th ruling by the South Carolina Supreme Court. What we saw yesterday is judicial activism at its finest. And as we've read, Justin, you've read, I think, all 147 pages. No, no, I know. I know. I I, I skimmed. I've been reading (laughs) through it some. uh, and, And what we saw yesterday. Yesterday, from Justice Beatty, Chief Justice Beatty, uh, Justice Few, and Justice uh, Hearn, mm-hmm. is is judicial activism, and the two dissenters, Justice Kittredge, uh, uh, they they both dissented on reasonable grounds. Yeah. Well, sure, they did. I want to get into a little bit because if you remember back in June, feels like forever ago. <laughs> feels like last year. Uh, Back in June of 2022, I don't have that sound effect built in yet. We'll get it. Don't worry. We're working. We're working with the new audio equipment. Um, read through this piece. I got a few points here. I have it. Not all of it. A lot thicker than this. He's a nerd. Uh, yeah. Call him as you see him. Yeah. Justice Hearn says we hold that the decision to terminate a pregnancy rests upon the utmost personal in private considerations imaginable, and implicates a woman's right to privacy. While this right is not absolute, it must be balanced against the state's interest in protecting unborn life. This act, the Fetal Heartbeat Act, which severely limits and in many instances completely forecloses abortion, is an unreasonable restriction upon a woman's right to privacy, and is therefore unconstitutional. Now, not in the nation's constitution, but in the state constitution, in Article 1, Section 10 
South Carolina state constitution, there is a right to privacy. Dave, how did that get there? T- tell the listeners, viewers, how that happened. So everybody, let's, let's rewind to 1970. There was a number of things that were going on when it came to search and seizure. That is the ability of the government to go into and, and basically ruffle through your personal mm-hmm. effects, doing searches and seizures on your personal property uh, and on you. And so in that, in the 19, late 60s, early 70s, there was called the West Commission. Governor West had put together a commission to review that. They came up with recommendations for an amendment to the state constitution that would provide for a right of privacy specifically dealing with search and seizure. <clears throat> that measure was was approved by the legislature in 1970 because that's – okay. This is the process of how amendments to the Constitution get made. Yeah. Maybe we should discuss this. Yeah, so let's let's break this down so that you understand this because this is how the process works. The state legislature has to is the only body that can put any sort of measure or any sort of amendment to a constitution on the ballot in South right. Carolina. The 170 members of the legislature have to agree upon that. Mm-hmm. And the specific language that's included in that. It's got to pass the House. It's got to pass the Senate. It's got to be signed by the governor. And then, and only then, does it end up on the ballot during a even-numbered year. So anytime right. we're electing House members, right. which is every two years, is the only time that you can put an amendment to the Constitution, the state Constitution, on the ballot. Once it's there, it's then just a straight up-or-down vote. Of the people, once it's been voted on and approved by the voters in South Carolina, it goes back to the legislature. They ratify it. It then becomes part of the Constitution. That was done in 1970, specifically talking about the government's <coughs> ability to do levels of searches and seizure. There is a little bit of ambiguity in the language, which is exactly where Kay Hearn decided that she was going to take a scalpel. And slice into it. So here's the thing about that. The decision, the vote was in 1970. It was ratified in 1971, two years prior to Roe v. Wade. And then in 1974, South Carolina takes Roe a step further. What the court decided, the Supreme Court decided in 1973. In 1974, the state, through the legislative process, codifies right. the Roe decision. They, they conform South Carolina law to what the Supreme Court of the United States. Keep in mind, we're talking about two different levels. The Supreme Court of the United States in the Roe v. Wade decision legalized abortion. Basically, they wrote legislation into a, dis, a judicial decision, which we call activism because you're not supposed to do that. Right. It's the job of writing laws. That goes to the legislative branch. The, yeah, and, and just for clarification, the court's job is to determine whether the law or the ruling or decision made by an individual, or in this case, the legislative body, is constitutional, according to the law. It is not their job to determine whether or not the, you know the, this would offend a certain group of people or, or even to write legislation, as you just said. Right. It is their job to say this is or is not constitutional, and anything above that, anything beyond that, anything where we read something further into something, uh, if we create a right that no longer exists, like the Roe decision did in 1973, that is problematic at best and unconstitutional at worst. So let's read specifically what the right of privacy in the South Carolina Constitution says. There, 
there is a right of privacy in the state constitution. There is not a right of privacy in the federal constitution. Which Correct. the right of privacy is what was pulled out of the 14th Amendment, which allowed the Supreme Court in 1973 to issue their robes. And we right. get searches and seizures and quartering of troops. That all that, kind all of of that comes the from fourth amendment. Yeah, so, so here is the specific language of Article 1, Section 10 of your state constitution here in South Carolina. It reads this. Searches and seizures, invasions of privacy... The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures and unreasonable invasions of privacy shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by an oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched, the person or thing to be seized, and the information to be obtained." So when you look at the language on this, this is where Kay Hearn, Justice Hearn, basically went through with a scalpel and cut into this the unreasonable invasions of privacy. Just, and that's where her argument starts to come. You've read through the decision, the decisions, because all of them are in this document. Every single what, uh, what are you seeing from Justice Hearn as she spells out her opinion why, how did the right to privacy, how does that affect heartbeat? Well, she goes into the West and a Committee. Woman's right to privacy. Right. You mentioned the West Committee. She notes control our, that this committee notes uh, our, our decision as to the scope of our privacy provision completely ignores and arguably perpetuates the societal landscape of the time. The respondents, meaning the state, Insistence that we are bound to rely on the committee notes in delineating the scope of our state's privacy provision requires a brief review of our state's history in affording equal, equal rights to women. Although the 19th Amendment granting women the right to vote was ratified by the requisite number of states and adopted in 1920, South Carolina rejected it at the time. It was not until 1969, italicized, nearly 50 years later. And the italicies is meant to draw emphasis. <clears throat> yes. That the South Carolina General Assembly finally ratified it. And even then, the vote was not certified for another four years. So let's go to 1973, because the state had never confirmed ratification with the Secretary of State or the House Speaker. Additionally, while some Western states permitted women to serve on juries as early as the late 1800s, federal law gave women the right in 1957, South Carolina was among the very last of the states to permit it in 1967. So South Carolina permitted women to serve on juries in 1967, but according to Kay Hearn, did not permit women to vote until 1973. No, Eclipsed... Uh, Women actually did vote. Did vote. Eclipsed yes. only by Mississippi a year later. Thus, well, that's because the evil South Carolina, Dave, was superseded by the federal government. If not for Big Daddy government, South Carolina would have been putting women back in chains. Anyway, I'm not done yet. <clears throat> Wait, there's more? <clears throat> there's okay. more to this um, wonderful jurisprudence. Thus, in 1966, when the West Committee... That's Governor, that's Governor John West. Initially composed of nine men and not a single woman. And this is where the activism begins to show. Began right. discussing whether to add a state constitutional privacy amendment. The General Assembly had neither permitted women to serve on juries nor ratified the 19th Amendment. So what she's saying is when this West Committee that the state believes should have been looked at to determine the decision of the court in this case, she says we don't need to rely on the West Committee because not a single woman was on the committee. And at the time, women were not allowed to vote in South Carolina nor were they allowed to serve on juries in South Carolina. Right. That's her argument. Now, given this historical backdrop, we decline to limit our review of Article 1, Section 10 to what the West Committee members may have thought at the time. While we certainly agree with respondents that abortion was not mentioned in the amendment, 
nor was including women's right to bodily autonomy uppermost in the minds of the committee members, those facts neither guide nor end our inquiry. We cannot rele relegate our role of declaring whether a legislative act is constitutional by blinding ourselves to everything that has transpired since the amendment was adopted. Now, I'm no legal scholar, and, and I know that the law changes over time, and based on what I understand, and I, once again, if I'm wrong, please email me. I'd love to chat with you. Um, precedent takes is kind of what shapes a lot of Story law decisis, as it yep. moves through. Stare decisis. And so as we look at what the commission said, the West Commission said, she says basically, okay, there were factors that are current that weren't there then. Thus, that commission and its findings are antiquated notions. They are they're simply <coughs> notions from a bygone era. I don't know if she's saying that necessarily. I I, I understand. I I've got yeah. you. Well, I'm, she draws, I, she draws the distinction. I I think what she's saying is is that women were not adequately given the equal right of representation at the time. We are correcting that wrong. Right. So the court has made the decision that because there were no female voices that were in the West Committee's now the lead opinion will be the female voice. Right. Is is the that because that decision was made without their input, we are now therefore going to make it with an input and we are going to now go back through, as you said a minute ago, activistically, then insert into yep. here what was left out by the committee, what was not included as part of the vote by the people of South sure. Carolina in 1970, we're going to now retroactively go back 52 years and put into the constitutional interpretation in South Carolina what got left out by the people who <coughs> made that. Well, okay, how is that any different than what we see the left's arguments when it comes to the living document of the Constitution at the federal level. There's not, because what they're doing is she did not look at this from the lens of what was the purpose. Let's go back to the West Committee, just big picture real quick. It was initially put together in 1966 to begin to look at the state Constitution and what changes needed to be made in that. It was a three-year effort. She draws... And I haven't, I don't have this marked down, but she actually draws that the West Committee was off of the heels of several different Supreme Court cases involving marriage, the right to procreate, then the right to contraception, and the West Committee fit right there in the middle of that. So the West Committee was ultimately in the same vein, is how she was leading okay. to that. That's how she argues. And that's how she argues it. I will say one other thing before we move on to Chief Justice Beatty. <laughs> Justice K. Hearn. Additionally, while the act refers to a heartbeat, end quote, the overwhelming consensus in the medical community is that at this early stage of gestation, what is being recorded as cardiac activity is merely an electrical flickering occurring prior to the development of any chambers of the heart. See this? See what I'm doing here? Let me put it on the camera. See that? See that? See that? So <laughs> that, that electrical flicker has to come from something or somewhere. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter because not only is it just an electrical flickering, but heartbeat on the ultrasound monitor is a made-up sound by the white patriarchy. Careful, careful. Uh, I'm just quoting the governor of Georgia. Uh, 
uh, the governor wannabe of Georgia. No, the governor of Georgia, Stacey uh, Abrams. She, Stacey Abrams. Twice governor. Twice elected. Was she? Actually, has she, she already, wait, she actually did concede this last year. Has she already staked claim to the White House in 2028? Is she the president now? She's not thinking that far ahead. <laughs> well, she's been thinking that far ahead for the last 30 years. So let's just talk about the cardiac activity. Just Which cardiac of, activity means? Do you have a definition of cardiac? Flicker. You have a definition of cardiac. Yes. Relating to the heart. Interesting. Okay. Mm, okay. Relating to the part of the, it could also be related to the part of the stomach nearest the esophagus. That's how sometimes you think you're having a heart attack when actually it's just right, really bad indigestion. Right. Um, cardiac. It's a true thing. Examples of it would be things like heart disease, heart attack. But maybe it's just an electrical flickering, Dave. So, Damar Hamlin had an electrical flickering that went wrong. By the way, wonderful news. He is now yes. off of his breathing tube yes. and now speaking. Thank right. Breathing tube is out. He is now speaking. So Wonderful. He's wonderful speaking, news. He's speaking. He's speaking. He's, speaking. he's far more he's important than the vice president. This is true. So, you know, we look at this and we go, okay, so her argument, and I was speaking with a, I was speaking with a, right. <laughs> I was speaking with a couple of other judges and, and legislators last night as we were talking through this, and the reality is their arguments are so circular yes. that they're mm-hmm. getting they're stepping on themselves. <clears throat> they are activistically trying to change and make law in South Carolina. If you want to make law, okay, every two years you can run for the legislature. And from what I understand, if you want, if you want, Justice Hearn was a state legislator at one point. And if I'm wrong really? on that, once again, please correct me. From what I understand, she was in the state house at one time, according to the a Duke. lot of the people. Don Beatty was in the state house. Uh, is- so uh, she served in family court judge. She served as a family court judge. And if I misread that, I apologize sincerely. Um, but from what I understand, I'm, I'm going to be quiet now and read this thoroughly, and I'll get back to you in just a second. You guys pick up with whatever. I, I, I just interrupted you. No, you're good. Just, no, just I mean, I it, it, is not, it is not unusual for members of the legislature. I, for example, Chief Justice John Beatty. No, I mean, sorry, Don Beatty. Don Beatty, yeah. yeah. Was a member of the legislature. That's not an unusual thing. Which says a lot more about our judicial nominating process right. than Prior anything to her else. Prior to service on the Supreme Court, Hearn was elected to the South Carolina Family Court and okay. was the chief judge of the South Carolina so Court I misread, of Appeals. And I, I, I apologize, I misread. She was on the Family Court, family court, court of Appeals. Right. I, I misread. But that's okay because you were right on the Don Beatty part, and one of them did serve. That guy, right? You you were close. Four shoes and Speaking speaking of Chief Justice Don Beatty. This is good. Like <clears throat> well, the first part of it, you might oh, not. <laughs> I like get a little frustrated. Yeah. I take judicial notice of the fact that at six weeks of pregnancy, there is no fetus, baby, or child, as those terms are commonly understood to mean. What actually exists at this stage of pregnancy is an embryo containing an amorphous collection of cells. At least he didn't use clump. He now, used real collection. quick. Now, real quick. Real quick. My wife and I don't have any children. You have a dog. You, I, sh- shut up. <laughs> uh, not the same thing. Thank hey, you. Thank hey, you for drawing that distinction. A fur hey, baby is not a baby. Hey, Bubba. Uh, so you have three. Yes. Dave has like 12. I only have uh, 10. 10. So 12,000. So you have 10. Right. When when you and your wife announced that you were expecting, right. did you say, guys, we're having an amorphous <laughs> collection of cells? No. What'd you say? We're having a baby. What'd you say? It was. It's a boy. Oh, well, for you, Three times. <laughs> <laughs> so no one said amorphous collection of cells. Don Beatty continues. To be clear, the state has a legitimate interest in regulating abortion. Thank you for seeding the ground. Uh, the question 
is when does the state's legitimate interest rise to a level where it is paramount to a woman's constitutional right to privacy? There's some senator from Buford that talks about competing rights a lot. Um, The answer is indeed a policy decision of the legislature. However, this decision is necessarily tempered by constitutional restraints. The South Carolina Constitution is the ultimate authority in this regard. Is it, Chief Justice? South Carolina Constitution is the ultimate authority in the regard in terms of when a life begins. He goes on, after quoting the Protestant Episcopal Church, I accept full responsibility for seeking information that would facilitate a better understanding of the subject matter and the real issues before the court. The misnomer of the title of the act vindicates the request for supplemental information, the fetal heartbeat. Right. He says that's a misnomer. Is it? He says it's a misnomer. Oh. Mis- it's just an electrical flicker. Misinformation is pervasive in the abortion debate. Mm. Okay. There's a lot of people sowing miss or dis. Miss. Okay. Misinformation. He's he's becoming Kamala Harris as we are looking to the future unburdened by what we have seen in the past. Misinformation is pervasive in the abortion debate. Misinformation has influenced public opinion and fanned the flames of hostility in this very sensitive discussion. No inflection there, I just added it. I will not (laughs) willingly participate in the perpetuation of misinformation. I stand by efforts to be better informed on the true issues before the court. Now in italics, men do not get pregnant. Now back to the task at hand. So he takes an aside, makes a distinction, and thank you to to a local pastor in the upstate for, for letting us know about this as we're reading through it. He makes a distinction that he speaks into a cultural argument like totally tangential to this. And even then says, now let's get back to what we're talking about. What's so interesting about that is... But what's he doing? Yeah, what's he doing? He's making this a completely women's issue alone. Only women are impacted by abortion. Let us just... I feel like that's what he's saying. Let's go and rewind, Don, okay, and and help you to understand... Because maybe it, you weren't there for biology. He's not, he's not a biologist. He's not a biologist. Don has kids. Okay, Don, it's, it's, it's no, like no, this. No, 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 no. He has amorphous collections of cells. The amorphous collection of cells that has been eating your food and sleeping in your house and <laughs> probably like, giving you like, grand grand collections of cells. I'm, I'm checking on that, that now. So, that sounds like the movie The Blob. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes, only women... Can carry children. Wait, what about trans women? Not, tra- not trans women. Only what's he what about women? What about what about what, what about, words what about women who define themselves as poof self? Uh, going in italics. In italics. Yes. Men do, do not get pregnant. Men do not get pregnant. A biological but male can't. Pregnancy <laughs> cannot happen, Mister Chief Justice, <laughs> without. A man involved. So understand, yes, the body is created so that only a woman can carry a child in her (coughs) womb, but it takes the sperm from a man to fertilize the egg, egg, which normally happens during sex or it could happen in in IVF way, okay? Cover okay. your children's ears. <laughs> Sorry. Just it's kidding. really the, simple, Didn't folks. give you the warning. If you don't understand this part of it, yes, Kay Hearn, women were not in the, that particular West Committee. Yes, only women can have children. Okay, 
but it still takes two people, a male and a female, biologically, to to create a child. I'm stunned. I learned so much today. What I notice, and and we see this from the activists at the state house, we, whether they're on the sidewalk in front of the Supreme Court, whether they're inside the state house. Not many some, people, by the way, out there yesterday. No, then that's that's cool. Whatever. I know. I'm um, gonna take my no, 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 no. I'm gonna take my shot. Well, there were more media. On. There I'll were more get, media than there were. Finish your thought, and yes, then I'll take my right. shot. So, I'm trying to remember what the thought <laughs> is now. There's this. There's this correlation. Yep. that I think is drawn, and, and th- this speaks to the point, there's this correlation that's drawn in a fantastical reality, and and a lot of causation, once again, correlation does not necessitate causation. I feel like you have said that I've said 20 that times. so many, so many times, times lately. Yes. Just because you say that we are in a handmaiden's tale reality <laughs> does not mean that we're in a handmaiden's tale reality. Well, who are you to tell me what my truth is? Oh, dear. The reality. Poofs. <laughs> I am not a poof, nor have I ever been a poof. I will not identify that way. Don't go to Urban Dictionary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not, no. Really? Uh, the reality yeah. is a man and a woman come together. They procreate. An egg is fertilized. And now a child, a baby, a human being. A collection is of amorphous cells. <laughs> <laughs> And That's no, how my announcement's going to come in a couple and, years. And no man and, and that I know, and if you can produce, please email me, Mitch at palmativefamily.org. If you can find me a man who looks at women and says that is the farm that we will use to create human beings, as in The Handmaid's Tale, if you can find that man, please email me, Mitch at palmativefamily.org. And I will personally go chat with this guy because I'm curious. I, I just don't know that it works that way. But that's the correlation that's being drawn here. I know we got to keep moving and we got to get through this because I don't want to hold you for too long. Although I'm sure you're really in, enlightened by this conversation. <laughs> uh, Justice Beatty concludes our decision today is neither pro choice nor pro life. Are you sure about that, uh, sir? Okay. Sir, Your Honor? Your Excellency, Your Grace, it merely recognizes that our state constitution grants every South Carolinian a right to privacy, equal protection, due process of the law. Obviously, it doesn't, no, it doesn't. give them the right to life. Dave, um, it, it, real quick, Dave, we've talked about this a lot. $64 million estimated since January 26, right. 6, 1973. In 16 days, we're coming up on 50 years since the Roe decision. Let's just play the numbers game 50 50 because there are only two genders and God created them male and female in his image. Wait, I've been told there are 72 babies. playing the odds. I'm, I'm not even going yeah. there. Playing the odds, <laughs> half of those babies amorphous clumps of cells right. that have been imported since collection. 1973 collection, right. they've been female. So 50 percent, 30. 30 32, to 32 million, million babies. Maybe more. It's I heard yesterday, and, and I couldn't help myself. I had to respond. It was on, it was on our Facebook page, and someone said, good for women. And I just simply raised my hand, typed in, um, not for those pre-born women. 30 million of them. It is a non-starter for me, personally, to say this is a women's issue when 30 to 32 million babies that have been aborted since 1973 were women. You can't right. have your cake and eat it too. You can't. You can't. Here's what's, here's what's interesting. This is going to lead into 
our, our next conversation because Justice John Few makes a point here that I want to bring up. It is important to stress what is not a state interest that justifies the six-week bill. For years, a minority of the General Assembly attempted to enact legislation banning abortion altogether. Abortion altogether. Those personhood bills, based on what would have become a legislative finding that human life begins at conception, consistently failed to gain majority support. This year, the House of Representatives passed a near-total ban on abortion. See House Bill 5399, the Legislative Journal. Like its predecessors, H5399, had it passed the Senate, oh, would have been was based that on... Jabs? That was his jab. That was his jab. That was his jab. That's his words. Yes. Would have been based on the finding that it is undisputed that the life of every human being begins at conception. Had H5399 become law... The state may have had a good argument that there is no countervailing interest that could render unreasonable the state's use of a total ban on abortion to protect human life from the point of conception. In other words, if the state were to pass a total ban on abortion, despite a complete invasion of a woman's right to privacy, the privacy invasion might be reasonable under Article 1, Section 10, because human life has no countervailing interest. It simply must be preserved. Justice John Few here, and I'm just reading this, is saying that if the state legislature were to pass a total ban on abortion that establishes that life begins at conception, they may have a leg to stand on when it comes to the right to privacy issue because in that case, the invasion of privacy is, for lack of a better term, allowable because the state has an interest in protecting life that the state has determined begins at conception. So I had a conversation with former Representative Gary Smith <clears throat> basically saying this, you know, the life of the child in in any instance, because he was part of the discussion on 5399. Mm-hmm. Um, he voted on he that. He voted for it. Um, the life of the child, the, the legislature has the compelling interest to intervene. And that is a place no. that I think very few people have taken the time to to look at and realize is the compelling interest of the legislature to intervene on this putting puts the right to living yep. over the right of privacy. Because right. you can't have a right of privacy if you're not alive. So my question then becomes is that is all of my dictatorial uh, dictated notes from the Supreme Court decision um, you're welcome I, I'm, I'm gonna jump in on this real quick because I want to go into to how our justices are also making decisions the political boundaries of South Carolina matter mm-hmm. way too often we're over at the legislature and we're working on bills. Well, what are they doing in Georgia? What are they doing in North Carolina? What are they doing in Texas? You know, and they're always asking the questions. Every state, by the Constitution of the United States of America, in the Tenth Amendment, has the freedom and the ability to create its own laws, to look at the laws that are created, and to assign the definitions as each state sees fit. That's how federalism works. Mm -hmm. I get really frustrated reading through this when Justice Hearn starts referencing back to Alaska when she says the Alaska Supreme Court held that few things are more personal 
than a woman's control of her own body, including the choice of whether and when to have children, concluding we are of the view that reproductive rights are fundamental and they are encompassed within the right to privacy expressed in the Alaska Constitution. Well, we don't we don't care. Justice Hearn goes on to write this. In so ruling, the court considered and rejected the argument, similar to the one advanced today, that it's the state's constitution's privacy right merely encompassed protection from unwarranted surveillance and data collection. Okay. I don't really give a rip what Alaska's constitution says, nor what their Supreme Court says, because that's Alaska's constitution. No offense to Sarah Palin or Lisa Murkowski. By the way, just a simple control F on this document, Alaska is mentioned 26 times in In Florida, she goes on to say, the state's constitution protects the right to be let alone and free from government intrusion into the person's private life. The Florida Constitution, Article 1, Section 23. Florida's privacy provision, it says, is clearly implicated in a woman's decision of whether or not to continue her pregnancy. In reaching the decision, the court considered that the choice, quote, whether to obtain an abortion is fraught with the specific physical, psychological, and economic implications of a uniquely personal nature of each woman. Again, (laughs) I really like Ron DeSantis. My grandparents lived in Florida. My great aunt lives in Florida. My uncle and my aunt live in Florida. Some of us wish we lived in Florida. This is not Florida, Kay. 14 times, by the way. Florida's constitution is for Florida and how Florida chooses to (laughs) interpret Florida's constitution is different than South Carolina. We have 50 states with 50 different constitutions yeah. for a reason. Don't bring your California to my Carolina. Or your Alaska. Uh, what's interesting is after a while you kept saying Florida. and I start, You ever say a word so many times that it kind of starts sounding weird? Yeah, it's Florida. A, it's Florida. Florida. Um, Massachusetts mentioned once. Massachusetts. I'm just um, keep referencing thank you. Just, uh, give me I mean, every, I mean they go back through and they reference the Minnesota Supreme Court found Minnesota. this. Minnesota. The, the Montana Supreme Court found this. The Tennessee Supreme. I don't care. Minnesota. Nine I times. really don't care because the reality is this is not Minnesota. It is not Tennessee. It is not Massachusetts. It is not Florida. <laughs> South Carolina. Montana 14 times. Okay. South Carolina is one of the only states. I mean, how many states in the United States have access to both a beach that that's next to an that's an ocean? Because I know people in like, well, you know, people some people call that. That ain't a beach. That ain't a beach. on the oceanfront property in Arizona. But I did it throw the Golden Gate in free. Uh, how many how many states have yeah he was like number one fifty six on the Rolling Stone greatest singers list how many how many states have mountain and beach access very few very few very few just want to make sure okay cool that's just to tout the greatness of South Carolina how many how many of those states that she mentioned have a governor that that sounds so regal and southern and plays a mean guitar and plays a mean guitar and can sing very few very few that's my shout out to Governor McMaster work. And raise a family. Whenever you call a state office, what do they say? It's a great, great day, day in South, South Carolina. Carolina. So, <clears throat> thank you. Is it a, is it a great day in South Carolina? Well, yes. Ultimately, God is sovereign; He's in control. However, and I'm not doing the however on that part because that's like universal truth. Um, how did we get here, guys? If we remember, age fifty three ninety nine. 
the ad hoc committee. That near total near total ban again. That ban had exceptions for life of the mother and rape and incest out of the house. Right. You remember our conversation here on the podcast, Dave and Dave and I. Mitch wasn't a part of that one. He's glad he wasn't. <laughs> Where we talked about the South Carolina Senate and how they did the job of the higher intellectual body. But how did we get here? Now we're at the point where that didn't pass. We know the threshold for abortion legislation right now in our state legislature. The House, near total. Right. The Senate, Uh, might get to heartbeat. Might get to heartbeat. Might. But right now, so here is as it stands, because because of this decision by the court, you can now have an abortion legally up until 20 weeks gestational period. Right. That's where we are. Just, I haven't run those numbers, but that's right on par with North Carolina and one of the most liberal in the Southeast and across the country. So, it would appear that by this current Senate standards, if we want to tackle this issue again in this next legislative session, we're only going to get heartbeat at most, but we already see so, so, the Judge, issue. so Justice Hearn did, does open up and basically, for lack of a better phrase, says six weeks is too close for most women, especially it's, women who are, if you're trying to get pregnant, you're, you're sitting there with the clear blue easy, very, mm-hmm. you're like, you're wanting to know the first day you miss your period. Okay. She says six weeks is quite simply not a reasonable period of time for these two things to occur. Talking about the right to privacy. Uh, yeah. So. She's kind of fudged the door open a little bit Mm -hmm. that says, hey, listen, if it's beyond six weeks. Fifteen. Twelve. Twelve. Eight. At what point, you know, okay, biology, quick thing. Cycle for women's cycles typically run anywhere from 25 to 30 days. Are you allowed to talk about this, Dave? I have been married and my wife has. Considering you're a man. Yes. yes. Are we allowed to talk about it? Yes. Because God I'm just, created, I'm, I'm jumping in front of the, I'm jumping in yes. front of the comment section. That's all. So, so when we look at this, a woman <laughs> will typically, if you're a woman and, and you're listening, you sometimes know if you've skipped a period. Okay, let's just be frank here. Okay, maybe you skip one. Kay Hearn's argument is, well, you got to make it more than, hey, I just missed. I'm a few weeks late. I'm more than just a week late, and that's what her argument is. I'm more than just a week late. And so in that particular case, her argument, it seems to be, is coming down to where do we go next, is you're going to have to give more of an opportunity for women to choose to kill their children um, by giving them more of a chance to know that they are pregnant. So where's our legislature going to go? I, I kind of have a feeling they're going to try to go back to this uh, 12-week ban a 10-week ban, somewhere in that time frame. It, it, at least it's not where we are right now, which is the pain-capable legislation. Pain-capable was a law passed back in, I think, 2012, 2014, that says that if a child is capable of feeling pain, then we are not going to allow that child to be aborted. That's around the 20-week mark. So that's why we're at 20 weeks right now. So I think Hearn is has at least opened up the door. And I I personally think that that Justice Few's approach to this is a little bit of a curveball kind of 
let, let me let me just throw you out there and say, hey, listen, if you do a total ban, then of course it's going to work. When the reality is he knows full well a total ban will not get through the South Carolina Senate as it is right now. No, it won't. So that's where we stand after the South Carolina Supreme Court decides that um, heartbeat doesn't jive with the Constitution. I'll just say it that way. Right. We have a lot more to get to on this issue. We'll continue to break down the ramifications of this as we move into the into the next week. I want to remind you that if you're listening to this before 4 o'clock on Friday, make sure to join us for the time of prayer in the State House. We'll be having it 4 o'clock today. Suddenly we have a lot more to pray for. Exactly. If yep. you are listening to this after that and you have an opportunity to join us along with our friends with South Carolina Citizens for Life, at the South Carolina March for Life and Rally. That's going to be taking place Saturday. The march begins in front of the Russell House on the University of South Carolina campus. That's the corner of Green and Sumter. Uh, that will start at 1130. The walk is like a five-block walk. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's not, not going to take very long. Um, but the rally itself starts at the mm-hmm. State House. I was on with, with our chairman of the board, Dr. Tony Beam, today, and Kelly, from, Kelly Ross from... Yeah. From the Piedmont Women's Center, Piedmont Women's yeah. Center was co-hosting today, Excellent. and we were talking about the fact this is probably one of the most important times mm-hmm. for us as Christians, us as pro-life believers, to come out and and demonstrate. Imagine what it would be like if it wasn't a few hundred people who showed up, right. but a few thousand people who showed yeah. up. Yep. If you thought that the pro-life movement was in a winning situation, we were. We were. We got into it, and and at this point last year, we were in some phenomenal wins. Yep. yep. We. We have seen Roe v. Wade overturned, and we have seen this state fall right back into a slump. And it is time for us to get re-energized, to start showing the support that we need to be able to have, and to start working to pass the legislation to save lives. That's an important thing. And if you're a student, right after the rally, the South Carolina Pro-Life Student Summit, that's going to be at the Russell House right after the rally. If you're a student, go to uh, that website. We've posted a lot about yep. that. You can go to that website. To we find put that, we'll put that in the show notes. We'll put that in the show notes as well. So busy show, but we thank you for joining us on the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. Remember the line. For Kevin Cayello, Mitch Prosser, Dave Wilson, I'm Justin Hall. We'll see you all next week.